Welcome to the global phenomenon, Surviving the Survivor, where we bring you the best guests in all of true crime. What's up, SDS Nation, and welcome to another episode of Surviving the Survivor, the podcast that promises to bring you the very best guests in all of true crime. After nine plus years, Donna Adelson finally appeared in the Tallahassee courtroom back in December to hear the charges from Judge Everett levied against her, including murder in uh, a conspiracy to kill her ex-son-in-law, FSU law professor Dan Markell. The following day, her son Charlie Adelson was sentenced to life in prison without parole. This Monday, Donna Adelson heads back to court as it appears she is desperate for her trial to begin. And tonight, we have the distinct pleasure and honor of being joined by her and Charlie Adelson's lead defense counsel, Daniel Rashbaum. Dan, how are you? Good. How are you doing? Good. Thank you for joining us. A couple of quick things I just want to point out. Number one, it's already getting some hate mail. Uh, Dan is an attorney. That is his job. That is his profession. Uh, we may not all like the clients he represents, uh, but please be respectful as I will be. I reached out to Ruth Markell, spoke with Phil and Shelly as well through her. Uh, and uh, they are well aware that this interview is taking place tonight. Uh, it is important for me um, as, an, as a journalist and doing advocacy journalism uh, to make sure that they were in the loop on this. Uh, Dan is unable to get into a lot of the details regarding Charlie Adelson because of the pending appeal. But that doesn't mean I'm not going to ask him a couple of things and he can tell me to buzz off and uh, I will be respectful of that. Otherwise, zero stipulations uh, in place. Dan Rashbaum actually said to me, ask me whatever you want, take as much time uh, as you need. So he's been uh, really great in that regard. Like a debate, however, I'm going to ask Dan to try to answer the questions. Defense attorneys have a habit of talking uh, in a reasonable amount of time. And uh, that's because uh, I've got a lot of questions and a lot of, a lot of ground I want to cover. Uh, with that said, I do have a couple of Patreon member questions in here. And the COE is going to be all over this. So she will take um, some questions once we get into the swing of things uh, from STS Nation. A reminder, 7 p.m. Eastern time, uh, we're going to do some reaction to this interview with Tim Jansen and Jared Ross, both Tallahassee attorneys. Jared was a friend of Wendy and Dan and actually went to high school with Charlie. And a uh, quick reminder for Patreon and YouTube members. Dateline watch party Friday night. The details, I have no idea. The COE will tell you. Uh, Dan Markell will be in that episode as far as uh, I know. But uh, Dan, just want to start off again by thanking you for being here. And uh, do you have a message you would like to send to the Markell family? I believe you tried to talk to them at the trials. Didn't really have time. Um, wondering what that message might be. Well, I, I never tried to talk to them because I, I, I respect their privacy. Uh, you know, for years, I was a federal prosecutor uh, doing violent crime cases and crimes against children. And my my clients at that time were victims. So I'm very respectful of victims. And I tried to be respectful of the Markells uh, during the trial, because while the trial wasn't about them, um, you always have to be respectful of victims. They're going through a terrible time, terrible situation. And so I never wanted to to offend them in any way. And I hope I didn't. Um, did Donna and or Charlie ever express any remorse, any guilt, anything uh, 
toward you about the Markel family? So again, I can't divulge anything that they would have told me directly uh, because that's privileged. Um, but what I can tell is that um, they they always felt bad for the family, of course, because they lost their son. Um, beyond bad, I mean, was there was there a sense of remorse uh, that this person died? Uh, did they ever indicate to you? And I know you're not going to be able to answer some of this stuff that they had a hand in doing this. So uh, no, the opposite um, as far as having a hand in doing this. Um, but of course, there's remorse because they're watching their grandchildren and their nephews grow up without a father. And so every day was a reminder of what had happened to Danny, um, to Professor Markell. But uh, as far as anything they told me, I can't reveal that, obviously. You know, uh, the bar mitzvah was this past weekend. Did you have a chance to attend that? No, I did not attend the bar mitzvah. During that, uh, Wendy Adelson uh, referred to Abba in a very sort of strange way. A lot of people thought it was bizarre. Uh, any idea why she invoked Dan's name, a guy that she was very openly uh, hateful of? I wasn't at the bar mitzvah, and I, I'm not sure what you're referring to. Um, but um, what I can say is I think uh, there's no winning in this situation for the Adelsons. If she had said nothing at the bar mitzvah about Professor Markell, I'm sure she would have been criticized. If she said something at the bar mitzvah, and again, I don't know what it was. I wasn't there. I haven't heard it. Um, but if she said anything at the bar mitzvah about him, then I'm sure she's going to be criticized and nitpicked as to anything she said. So I, I don't know what she said. I don't know if anything was said. Um, but um, but th that would be my response to that. And since I know you can't really speak uh, a lot, if at all, about Charlie Adelson, because uh, that case, uh, there's an appeal pending. Um, you know, people here obviously know a, a very high profile case. Charlie Adelson is on trial. Uh, the jury goes back to deliberate. It's three hours or less. Guilty verdict. Um, not a good outcome for, for him. Why is Donna Adelson hiring you, uh, do you think, after this pretty um, brutal loss? Uh, that I'm not sure. Uh, I think she knows how well prepared we were, um, how hard we fought. Um, and I'd like to think she trusts me. Um, but uh, I guess that would be a question for her one day. Right. Um, so I, I couldn't tell you more than that. I'm going to start to uh, mix in questions in a little bit, but I just want to get uh, some of this stuff out of the way here. And then we will give STS Nation a chance. Again, we're talking to Dan Rashbaum, uh, the attorney for Charlie Adelson and Donna Adelson. Um, Dan, do you know why Charlie has not been moved out of Chipley yet in the panhandle? He's still in that reception area. We were told because, uh, you know, he's got to be in uh, basically, uh, you know, special unit and that there's not an opening in that unit. Can you confirm that? I, I don't know one way or the other. Have you talked to him recently? Uh, I've talked to him one time uh, since he uh, was moved. But again, he has a, another lawyer now who's handling his case, who I'm sure has talked to him several times. Um, who told Charlie? Do you have any idea about Donna's arrest? And do you know how he took that? Um. I'm trying to think the timing. I'm sure I'm sure I would have told Charlie about it because I think I was it, it happened before her sentence, before the sentencing. Uh, so I'm sure I, I would have uh, told him about that. Uh, I don't think he was overly surprised.
He wasn't. I mean, was he uh, upset? Was he was he remorseful about that? Did he indicate any sort of guilt that maybe his actions had a part in her demise now and being behind bars? Again, without talking about specific conversations, what I can tell you is he was upset, obviously, that his mom had been arrested. Yes. Uh, Was he mad at himself or was he mad at the Markells or was he mad at the system? He didn't really indicate one or the other. He was just upset that his mom was going through this. Obviously, he knew what she was about to encounter, although I think what she encountered was a lot worse than what his situation was in the beginning. I mean, at any point during your working with him, did he ever tell you he felt bad about what happened? Of course. Of course. And and at any point did he tell you he felt bad because he did it, or or at least he organized uh, this hit? No. He never told you that at any point, not in a weak moment of time or anything. No. Uh, Lee Dundee, uh, how is Donna doing in jail? Uh, I think she's doing better now. Um, She's in uh, general population. We're able to work. Um, She has clothes on. She's able to have a shower every day. Um, She's able to brush her teeth every day. So I think she's doing a lot better than she was before. Um, question we got from a lot of people, and I mean this with all due respect, but, uh, why are you here today, Dan? Uh, I'm here because a lot of people have questions and frankly, there's a lot of misinformation out there. And so I figure rather than, uh, have the misinformation out there, I give people, uh, the ability to ask me questions and I'll try to answer them to the ability I can. Obviously I can't talk about privileged conversations and I can't talk directly about Charlie's case. Um, so that's why I'm here. Um, there's, there is a lot of skepticism that you're trying to uh, spin a narrative. And a lot of that comes from the fact that when Katie's proffer was out there, um, you were adamantly against any, you just didn't want any media around uh, at all. Why change your tune now? Why appeal to the media? Charlie's defense was uh, very important for us to keep it quiet. It was very important that uh, that the government not know what his defense was. That was our that was our strategy, and it worked. Um, and so we took the position that we were not going to go out in the media. We were not going to advocate our defense. We were going to wait for trial. That that was our position then, and that's why we acted as we did during Charlie's trial. Obviously, Donna's situation is different because there's already been a trial of an Adelson. Um, and so the situation is different, but it was very important to us for Charlie's defense to to be one that was uh, that was revealed at trial. Uh, Marcy wants no part of STS Nation, by the way, Dan, I always say best guest, which you are one now, but better community. We have the best community, not only in true crime, but all of the YouTubes. And by the way, you did a fantastic job. Uh, getting yourself lit up with that ring light we <laughs> sent you and uh, get yourself on here because uh, Dan claims to be technically illiterate as me, which is hard to believe. But from Marcy, is Mr. Rashbaum advising Wendy and Harvey? Are either of them your clients in any capacity? No. I- I've only met Wendy Edelson, I think, once or twice now, including the trial in my life. Uh, Mrs. Jim Morrison, uh, she must be wealthy off the- all the licensing. Please ask, Dan, why no change of venue? I'm assuming she is meeting for the Charlie Adelson trial because we are not even at the point of requesting that with Donna. 
Uh, did you think about a change of venue uh, with the Charlie Adelson trial, a request of change of venue? We moved for a change of venue in Charlie's case, and it was denied. Uh, STS is so good. They're going to sidetrack me. And this is precisely why I was going to wait, but I'm going to mix them in here because uh, I can tell the pacing is good. Dan Rashbaum, uh, heeding my wishes about being like a uh, political debate. He's answering me and giving me uh, nice quick answers. Um, Chloe's mom, how come Harvey and Donna never talked to the police right after Dan died? Um you know, uh, there was a contentious divorce going on, but someone was murdered here. You'd think that they'd want to help. Why didn't they? They did talk to the police, um, uh, both before the memorial service and after the memorial service, and they were never contacted again. Can you tell us uh, what happened? Uh, and that was that an official? That was not a sit down with Don and Harvey at the police department, was it? They reached out to the detective, and then the detective talked to them. I believe it was either during or right after the memorial service. Uh, and then they were never reached out to again. Wendy was reached out to. Uh, we can tell that from the records. Um, but but Donna and Harvey were never reached out to again. Uh, do we know why? Is it, it Was it because they weren't responding to requests for police interviews or it was that they were not asked? They were never asked. Now, you, you'd have to ask uh, the detective about that. But um, they reached out initially uh, for protection um, uh, before the memorial service. And then uh, they spoke to Detective Isom shortly, I believe, after or during the service. And then they were never contacted again. Uh, I was there for this from Bossy, Texas Chick. And then I'm going to get back to some of my stuff and we'll mix it all in. We'll, we'll weave uh, a tangled web, as Alec Murdoch said in his trial, uh, rewatched uh, the closing, your closing, Dan Rashbaum, in honor of your guest appearance today, and was wondering uh, if you wish you hadn't said, I hate when murderers come into this courtroom and lie. Uh, do you think that hurt your case? Was that a misstep of a line in a closing argument? I don't remember saying it. I'm sure <laughs> I did. Uh, I haven't watched my uh, closing again, but no, I meant it. I meant it. Um, Katie Magbanoa, anyone who watched that trial and anyone who's seen her proffers knows she's a liar. And going back to your question a couple moments ago, if you recall uh, when the proffers uh, were turned over to the lawyers, I said in court, these proffers are not bad for us. And they weren't. And now all the, all the YouTube universe thought I was lying. I wasn't, right? Um, so uh, no, I, I don't regret saying it. I don't think it changed the outcome of the case or hurt the case. Uh, and I meant it. You're going to appear on uh, Dateline tomorrow night. We're having our own little watch party for Patreon and YouTube members of uh, the COE and the mods to let you know about that. Um, is this the beginning of some sort of media PR campaign? Because, uh, you know, if we're being honest, um, Charlie's not a very popular guy. And I believe that's probably the reason he is being held at Chipley because he has to go into a secure a uh, pod at a state prison. Otherwise, he could be in danger. Um, do you have to, uh, is part of your job as a defense attorney to um, not make Don Adelson as loathed, despised, and abhorred as Charlie Adelson currently is? Uh, I mean, look, I think that uh, the world sees these people through a particular lens. I understand why they see them through the lens, but the reality is they don't know Donna Adelson. Um, they haven't been in a room with her. They haven't spent time with her. 
they don't know what type of person she is. And so um, they're assuming certain things. And uh, many of those things are just completely false. Um, can can you so, give us an example? Can you give us a couple of examples? Look, I, I've spent uh, a considerable amount with, of time with Donna over the years. She is caring, loving. Um, she is probably the most polite client I've ever had in 25 years of doing this. Uh, she's bright, but um, not analytical. Um, she's kind. Um, she's someone I like. She's someone I care about. I would go so far to say that. Um, and that's, that's odd for me in representing a client. Um, uh, but in general, what I would say to you is, uh, this is a different case, right? With different viewpoints and different reasons why, uh, I'm willing to answer questions about Donna. Um, because mm -hmm. I think there's, there's so much, there's, look, there's so much out there in the seven plus years of the media covering this, um, more particularly the YouTube media and the podcasters, um, that frankly have already, uh, convicted these people. They're presumed guilty, um, in the public's eyes, not presumed innocent. And so, um, I guess I'm up here to try to paint a different picture of them, a picture that I know to be true. I know, I know who Donna Adelson is because I, I know I've spent time with her. I, I know her character because I've been with her. I've seen her act in certain ways. Um, and so she's very different than what people assume. Um, and so, you know, to the degree I can paint that picture, I'm happy to do it. Um, I think I told you uh, when you agreed to do this, it's going to be a lose-lose for both of us. People are still not going <laughs> to like you, and they're probably not going to like me. Uh, they're going to say I didn't push. I didn't ask enough questions. Um, but the one thing that remains true is um, I think I have integrity as a journalist, and I think that Dan has uh, an ethical um, you know, job as his as a defense attorney, and it's true. You know, If you find yourself, God forbid, in a, in a situation where you need a criminal defense attorney, um, you're going to want someone like a Dan Rashbaum uh, to represent Joel, I'm, you. I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt, but here, here's what I would say to that. It shouldn't be a lose-lose for either of us, and it's not for me, because <laughs> frankly, I'm just doing a job, right? A job that I care very deeply for. For six years, I was a federal prosecutor, and I prosecuted cases as hard as I defend them now. The reality is Dan Markell believed in our system. Dan Markell believed in the rights of defendants. Dan Markell went around and talked about the importance of vigorous defense lawyers, right? And we honor his legacy when we defend people fully, right? The same way that I prosecuted people, I defend people. Okay? I, I try to do so in a professional manner, right? That's why you saw I got along with the prosecutors, right? I try to do it in a professional ma manner, but the way our system works is by both sides vigorously representing their clients, right? And so, and th the same goes for journalism. You get to ask the tough questions. And, and frankly, when we leave this room, it's not a win-loss for either of us because we have wonderful families, <laughs> we have other cases, and we have other uh, episodes to cover. The reality is we're doing our jobs. 
And uh, that's a good outlook. Uh, the the bosses here, the the COE, who was telling Dan, move forward, move to the left, move to the right, put a little more light on your chin, put more light on your... She couldn't make me uh, good looking. Yeah. When did you start representing Donna and Harvey? The COE wants to know. Um, you, you seem to have, um, and, and this is just in our brief conversations, you, you do seem to have an affinity for Donna. Like you really, truly care about her. Is that from a client perspective? Uh, relationship or did you know her prior to this uh when did you all meet i first met donna and harvey adelson in uh i would say september or october of 2016 i'd never met despite what people report online i'd never met any of the adelsons before then the first time i met them was uh after the probable cause affidavit was leaked by the tallahassee police department I'd met them about a month or two later um, when um, it was determined that they needed that uh, that they should get representation. Uh, and that's the first time I met them. Uh, and as far as my affinity for Donna goes, it's true. And I don't know why it is. Um, it could be from the years of representing her. It could be that she has some similarities to my own mother. Um, I don't know. Um, but I definitely have an affinity for Donna that um, that I don't usually have in clients. Um, I care for her very much. Um, uh, but, but I first met them in, I guess, in, uh, the fall of 2016. Do, do you speak to her every day right now? We'll, we'll get more into her in a moment, but do you I talk do. to I her speak, every day? I speak with Donna every day. Um, uh, now that she's in general population, uh, and we, we've started working, um, every day, uh, together. Yes. Has she said anything to you? And I mean this seriously about kind of the irony that she's now trapped in Tallahassee. Is she upset about this? Again, I can't comment on what she said or hasn't said, but I can say um, she's clearly not happy about being in a detention facility. Um, uh, I, I don't I don't think uh, that matters whether she's in Tallahassee or someplace else, um, but she's clearly not happy about being in a detention facility. Um, but I, I obviously can't talk any more about what she said or not said. Armand Fence, part of SDS Nation. Uh, do you know, this obviously came up and is a $64,000 question, why Wendy Adelson was at Trescott on the day of the murder? Uh, do you happen to know the answer to that? Also, did it hurt your case with Charlie? Because it obviously at least invokes uh, in some people's minds uh, a sense of guilt that she was going to check on things. Yeah, I, I, I don't. I don't know whether it hurt the case. It should help the case because if you look at the timing, it's it's clear that um, that Katie had already learned um, that the deed had been done well before Wendy gets there. Um, why she was there? I guess you know she's testified generally why she was there, which is the liquor store that she goes to is is in that vicinity. She drives through that way. And Jeff Lacoste, something that didn't come out at the trial that's come out in depositions and probably would come out at the next trial if this came up, is Jeff Lacoste has testified that they would drive down that road all the time, that Wendy has a bad sense of direction, that she would kind of use where she used to live as a guiding post as to where she was going, and that they would drive down that road a lot of times out of the way to get to places. Um, but I don't know personally. Um, other than what she testified to in trial, why she was on that road. Uh, did it hurt Charlie at trial? I'm not sure. Um, I've always seen it as a good fact. Um, if you look at it um, in a neutral perspective, 
um, at least a good fact for Wendy. Um, but um, I'm not sure that it was either a good or a bad fact for Charlie. Uh, I, I will respectfully tell you, after looking at a map, that is not bad with directions. That's a uh, horrible, awful, or, uh, you know, just utterly lost because it's hard to end up there. Um, does the Donna know? Say, the only thing I'll say, Joel, is yeah. have, having been a person who used to prosecute murder for hires, uh, two things about murder for hires is usually when you do a murder for hire, you do it because you don't want to be anywhere near the murder. So most people who do murder for hires, they don't then go down the road to, if, if, if they were going to do that, they do the murder for hire themselves, right? It's not consistent with a murder for hire. Um, but again, I don't know why she was there. I know where she lives. I know where she was going. I know there was a more direct route. I can see that. Um, but I, I, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me that she would go down the route to check on something that had she been part of, she would have already known about. I mean, they don't, you know, it makes it, it does make sense if it was a murder for hire and she wanted to see if the job was done, but you, you're a defense attorney. We can argue that point back and forth, but, uh, Sandy Gonzalez, um, do you know how Charlie, um, feels about, are you, are you speaking with Charlie often? First of all, or, I don't and, speak with uh, Charlie at all. I'm not his, I'm not his lawyer his right now. Okay. Uh, so do you have any idea, um, you know, as the trial was winding up or during it, uh, his feelings toward Katie, this is a question from Sandy Gonzalez. No, I, I don't, hmm. I don't, I don't know what his feelings were after. I know that he knew she was, a, that he thought she was a liar during, but I, I, I don't know more than that. Does Donna Adelson know you're doing this interview right now? And, and how does she feel about it? <laughs> uh, again, I, I can't tell you uh, what we've discussed and what we haven't discussed, but I think uh, you can rest assured that um, I, I keep my clients updated. <laughs> I'll take that as a yes. By the way, that wasn't my question. It was from a Patreon member. I, I want to say KCL. So uh, that was a kind of a funny question. Uh, were you surprised, uh, Jerry Michael here, at how quickly the jurors came to a verdict uh, in your case with Charlie? Me, not really. I wasn't that surprised um, personally, but uh, it's irrelevant, but I wasn't that surprised. Hmm. Um, Alex Morris. I believe his, his real first name is Robert, if I'm right about that. He is a Tallahassee-based attorney. Did you hire him? Did Donna hire him? And why hire him? So Donna hired him. Um, I'm not the client. Uh, but he's a terrific lawyer. Um, uh, I felt like he was someone that I could work real well with. Um, uh, and, uh, and I think, you know, Donna liked him, obviously. Um, and uh, I'm excited to work with him. Uh, where'd it go there? Ann Arbor, Michigan in the house. And I'm trying to catch up to the, uh, where'd it go? There's a question. A lot of people must ask you, do you really believe Charlie's story? Charlie Adelson's story? Again, I can't talk about Charlie's case, right. Um, out of respect to his current lawyer, uh, and out of respect to, to him as a, as a prior client. So I have to punt on that one. I have to ask you about some conflicts here. Um, you were Donna Adelson and I believe Harvey's attorney first. Uh, Charlie was with David Oscar Marcus, a pretty well-known criminal defense attorney. Um, do you fear some sort of conflict? And did, did Charlie and or Donna have to sign a waiver in order for you to represent her now? And did you ever stop representing her? So uh, let me kind of take things in turn, if you don't mind. That was a, that was a so, lot of questions. <laughs> yeah. So uh, 
I did originally represent Harvey and Donna in a joint representation for years. When Charlie was arrested, that representation changed um, and, and there was a conflict. Uh, and it was a waivable conflict that was waived by all parties. Okay. At that point in time, I represented Charlie Adelson and did not represent Donna or Harvey Adelson. Donna and Harvey Adelson at that point in time got their own, got their own lawyer. Okay. Now you asked whether there's a conflict now. And the answer is yes, there is a conflict. It is a waivable conflict. So with ethics, lawyers, and waivers by all the relevant parties, that conflict has been waived. And as a result, I now no longer represent Charlie Adelson or Harvey Adelson, but only represent Donna Adelson. So just to be clear, when you say, were you fearful that there was a conflict, there is a conflict. It just happens to be a waivable conflict that has been waived by everyone. So Harvey, Donna, Charlie all had to say, sign something agreeing to allow you to be Donna's attorney solely. Correct. And they, they had to do so. The most prudent way to do it is with an independent counsel advising them so that I'm not part of that decision-making process. Okay. But there is a conflict. It just happens to be a waivable conflict. Uh, uh, Sharon McCarthy. Does Dan, a part of SCS Nation here, does Dan think Charlie being so well prepared on the stand actually harmed his case? Uh, it sounds paradoxical, counterintuitive, but Charlie had an answer for everything and he knew dates going way back. And uh, he obviously studied the case, knew the case, knew the case file. Uh, in retrospect, Dan Rashbaum, um, was that problematic, do you think, for the jury that he was too smooth? It's a hard question to answer. Um, and I can I, I can only do it on the uh, exteriors because, again, uh, I can't get into Charlie's case. But I can say generally it's a it's a hard line um, afterward um, of of look, you have to prepare your clients and you want them to be over prepared. Um, but at the same time, um, you know, they need to be natural. Um, and so, uh, you know, again, was he overprepared? I don't think so. Um, I think, I think, um, I, I think it's, it, preparation's important, especially when you're, when you're fighting for your life. Um, but again, um, and look, I prepare all my clients to testify whether they're going to testify or not. Um, but the reality is I, 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 I have a hard time answering that question when I can't get into the details of Charlie's case. And uh, Dan did make that known. He can't get into the details because it is now under appeal. Was there a reason they had to file that appeal late in the evening on December 31st, Dan Rashbaum? Do you know? I was wondering that. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I don't know when the deadline was. Um, so uh, I don't know if the deadline was January 1 or whether. I have no idea is a short answer, but uh, he's got a very good appellate lawyer. By the way, I saw you without a beard in a photo. You look bar mitzvah age without the beard. So uh, you should probably keep the beard. Um, I no, used to the, the beard goes in and out. It's just I'm too lazy to shave every day. Uh, uh, so the beard goes in and out. Most of my friends uh, tease me about the beard now. So. <laughs> uh, bossy Texas, Texas chicken. These are great questions. Again, best guess, better community. Did you feel bad? Everyone, everyone talked about this moment, Dan, uh, when you told Charlie enough. Uh, this was... Uh, I forget exactly where in the trial, but it was audible. Charlie was kind of 
badgering you and you said enough um and everyone picked up on that what 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 was going on behind the scenes there if you can tell us no i mean i can't tell you what was going on behind the scenes but i didn't feel bad about it it actually had nothing to do with the trial i could tell you that much and it had actually nothing to do with the case i could tell you that much i can also say that uh charlie adelson and i got along very well um before the case during the case and to the extent that i had communications with him after the case we always got along very well Obviously, in trial, there's a lot of things going on and, um, you know, there's a lot of pressures uh, on the lawyer and on the client uh, and you're trying to listen to many things at the same time. And so uh, I actually remember the moment. It was not a moment for us. I think it was a YouTube moment that probably got blown out of proportion, kind of like I think at one point they took a note of Kate's. I don't remember what it was. She was talking about the New York Yankees and George Steinbrenner. And they started saying that uh, Kate was saying something derogatory about the judge or about Charlie or about something. It was about it was about the Yankees who look, we're Cleveland Indians fans. So uh, <laughs> or, sorry, Guardians fans. So that's what was being discussed. So, um, again, uh, that's an example of kind of things being taken out of context. Um, my relationship with Charlie was always good. I was going to actually guess that he was mad that you forgot his McDonald's uh, double cheeseburger, but I was close because it was uh, about the Yankees. Who knew? Um, Laszlo Toth III, in case management, you tell the court that be, quote unquote, be forewarned, my case may take a week. You only call two witnesses. Uh, can you tell us why or what happened? There were only going to be uh, two witnesses called. Um, but. Look, from my perspective, we didn't want the state to know that we were going to call Charlie Adelson. And from my perspective, I didn't want the judge. Uh, I didn't want to surprise the judge. And his testimony could have gone on for longer. It didn't. Um, so you're kind of as a defense lawyer in a in a weird in a weird position in that you have to. I didn't tell the judge we have thousands of witnesses. I just said our case could take a week. By the way, it took, I think, two or three days. Um so um, uh, there were no surprises there. The only other possible witnesses we were going to call, frankly, um, was potentially um, Donna Adelson. How tough an adversary you see here, Ta uh, Tasha Awesome, uh, Georgia. How tough an adversary is Georgia Kappelman? She's a terrific lawyer and a terrific human being. Um, uh, I have a lot of respect for her. Um, I hope she has respect for me, too. I think she does. Um, she's a terrific, terrific lawyer. And so is so is Sarah Dugan. So um, and so are so are their team of investigators. They're they're very, very good lawyers. All right. So let's pivot over here to Donna's arrest. It's a video that the world has now seen. It's going to be on Dateline. Uh, shout out to Law and Crime for getting it first. And I'm going to play a little snippet and then we'll talk about it uh, real quick. Hi, how are you? Yeah, how are Uh, Dan, you can see her pulling uh, the phone away there. Uh, what struck me about this, um, she never asks um, what murder. Uh, you're probably going to tell me because the uh, FBI agent Pat Sanford tells her she's being charged with the murder of Dan Markell. But what's also glaringly omitted from here is her saying, I didn't do this. I'm innocent. How come she doesn't say that? Uh, 
again, I can't speak about what she has told me or what she hasn't told me. I would say stay tuned for trial for that. Um, I don't think it's any surprise that she would know what murder she was being charged for. I think uh, just days earlier, uh, you know, uh, her, her son was convicted of a murder in which they showed pictures of her and her husband as co-conspirators for her. So I don't think there is anything to, to really say about that. I, I don't think that that's very surprising to me. It's a short clip. I'm going to play it again because I just want to get more um well i'm gonna get into this a little bit more but uh dan uh the obvious question is if uh they are innocent she's innocent um she's she's grabbing onto that phone with with uh white clutched fingers why not just give it over i guess the proof of the pudding will be if there's anything on that phone right what i can tell you is there's nothing on that phone and so if there's nothing on that phone do you then, know that? I mean, has the has the forensics evidence come back? The digital front? Can you say that a hundred percent that there's nothing? The short on answer. Any of those the, sh the short answer for me is I've reviewed the phone, and I don't see anything incriminating on the phone, not to Don Adelson. So if there's nothing incriminating on the phone, then maybe that's someone's reaction, right? Again, uh, a video doesn't always tell the truth. Although it happened, no, I'm not suggesting someone doctored the video. It doesn't always tell the whole story. Right. And so the bottom line is, if there's something on the phone that's incriminating, then you can read into why she might have grabbed the phone the way she did. OK, but if there's something if there's nothing on the phone, then maybe it's something else. Uh, here's another question. Um, you know, this to me and I'm not an attorney reeks of consciousness of guilt. Uh, how problematic is it that they were on a flight to Dubai to try to get to Vietnam on a one way ticket, Dan Rashbaum? I mean, it doesn't reek of consciousness of guilt because her son had just I mean, been. Who, but who travels with a, a one-way ticket to a foreign land? No one that I know does that. Well, there's various reasons to travel one-way tickets, right? I, I've done it before myself. Now, having said that, uh, consciousness of guilt is when you know you're guilty of something and you are fleeing because of it, okay? In this case... Donna Adelson has been a suspect in this case since 2016. She didn't go anywhere. Now, what had happened a week previously is her son had been convicted of a crime that she didn't believe he did. And he had been convicted of that crime rather quickly. And so as a result of that, this 73-year-old woman decided, I need to get away. And I need to clear my mind and I need to go somewhere with my husband, right? And so the reality is, is it a good fact for her? No, it's not a good fact for her. I wish she had stayed put, right? She probably would still not be charged. But the reality is it doesn't show consciousness of guilt. Uh, I'm going to beg to differ because uh, I don't know anyone that I know of that has traveled halfway around the world with a one-way ticket that plans on coming back unless you're backpacking through Europe as a kid. But we'll, we'll circle back to that. Um, so now you're obviously Donna's lawyer because uh, all these waivers that we talked about previously. Um, can you tell us where you're where you are in this case? There's a hearing Monday. Are you going to request a speedy trial? 
Well, uh, we're still figuring things out. Again, uh, I'm not her only lawyer. Uh, and while uh, media has reported that I'm a lead lawyer, that I have local counsel, that's just not the case. Uh, Alex and I are co-counsel on the case. Uh, while I know the case, it's uh, pretty well. It's a different case than Charlie's. Um, and Alex obviously has to, uh, has to get up to speed. So um, while we hope the trial will happen sooner rather than later, uh, we're, we're, we're talking about uh, what we're going to be requesting on Monday. Uh, bossy Texas chick again. Uh, I'm going to try to mix up. I didn't, I didn't see it was her again, but uh, is there any intention? Can you tell us to try to um, work out some plea agreement? Are you there yet? No. Why would she plead to something she didn't do? So that's that's a definitive. No, you plan to go. She and you plan to go to trial. Yes. And uh, so what, just tell us, what should we expect? Uh, the hearing is Monday morning at 1030. You've obviously got to fly up or drive to Tallahassee. What what should we expect at this hearing on uh, on Monday? Uh, I'm not really sure. I mean, I think it'll be pretty short. Uh, it'll be some discussion, I'm sure, about discovery. Uh, there may be some uh, discussion about uh, about uh, scheduling, uh, and there could be discussion about the waivers. Uh, although I, I'm not sure that that would happen at this at this hearing, um, but it, we'll deal with whatever the judge wants us to deal with. What's your ideal time frame for a trial date? If you could start this trial, if you had your druthers, and if Donna, more importantly, had her druthers, um, when would you start this? Uh, when we're ready. But uh, but I'm not I'm not I'm, I'm not sure as to a particular date. But give me a time. We're talking April or are we talking, uh, you know, November of uh, 2024. We don't know. But obviously, as soon as we can be ready, we'd like to go to trial. I mean, I've got to assume from what you're telling me, Donna is not uh, too pleased being behind bars. Does she want to go to trial? Does she want to get out from behind those bars? Uh, of course, she wants to get out from the detention center. <laughs> But we'll we'll go to trial when we're ready. That's the most important thing. Um, can you tell us her sort of her day to day in jail? What's her morning like, her afternoon like, her evening like? Give uh, a sense of that. Truthfully, I don't know. Um, and it's changed obviously because she just got moved recently to general population. Um, so, um, but I, I don't know what her day to day is like. Uh, love my Sully Blue. How hard is it to represent a client that the whole world thinks is guilty, which would be the case with both Donna and Charlie? Um, do you look at that as a challenge, um, a hurdle? How do you see it? Um, I, I think it, uh, it, doesn't, it doesn't affect me personally. Let me say that. Um, it, it doesn't affect me personally. But um, the only thing it affects is uh, I'm a big believer in the system. And uh, in most trials, um, a jury comes to the trial and they know nothing about the case. Uh, and what they're presented with is the evidence of the case where the state or the government, in this case, the state, has the burden of proof and has to prove their case beyond a reasonable doubt. In this case, the difficulty is that it's been tried in the media for seven plus years uh, and it's very hard for people to come to the case with that presumption of innocence. I think that was the most eye-opening um, piece to me um, in the last trial, the trial with Charlie. And it was depressing for me, to be honest with you, as someone who's worked on both sides and believes in the system and does this because the system is so important. We have the greatest system, I think, in the world. 
Um, but it's based on having a vigorous defense with a presumption of innocence where the state is not a dictatorship, where the state has to prove its evidence beyond a reasonable doubt. And for me, it was depressing to see all the jurors, not the jurors we had, but all the potential jurors come in there already with an opinion, already with an opinion based on not one piece of evidence, just based on the media, right? Just based on podcasts, just based on YouTubes, just based on guesses, sometimes being wrong. And so that was depressing to me. So when you say how hard is it to represent someone who everyone thinks is guilty, it's not any harder for me than it was prosecuting someone who everyone thinks is guilty. Um, in fact, some defense lawyers say it's a lot easier to represent someone that you think is guilty. The hardest person to represent is someone that you think is innocent. Um, and so, uh, you know, it, but what the public thinks is kind of irrelevant to me. Um, I do my job and I do it to the best of my ability. Uh, Dan, by the way, is undefeated as a uh, prosecutor. Brick K here uh, almost sounds like, a, you know, a, a question. Uh, in jest, but I have a, uh, something to follow up here with. How come Donna rolls her eyes so much? Uh, Dan Rashbaum, uh, Charlie in his trial was was making a lot of head motions and talking to himself. And in her first Tallahassee court appearance, Donna was interrupting the judge to the point where Judge Everett had to tell her to pipe down. Do you need to rein your client in more? Obviously, that was Marisol Descalzo at that point. Uh, it appears Donna likes to control situations Will you have to have a conversation with her um, about courtroom behavior? Well, look, um, again, I can't talk about the conversations I've had or will have with her. But what I can tell you is this. Uh, obviously, there is a uh, there is a um, particular protocol um, and demeanor that one should have in a courtroom. Uh, and, um, you know, it's going to be important for her, obviously, um, to 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 participate in that way. Now, having said that, why she rolls her eyes, I couldn't tell you. People have gestures. I mean, I now that I have this beard, I'm constantly doing this and this and whatever else. You know, we all have our tics, right? Um, but, um, and, and by the way, when you're on camera, everyone is analyzing every tick, right? Uh, so, um, but yes, there has to be a protocol. There's a proper, there's a proper way to act in a courtroom and that will be important for her. Uh, Dan Rashbaum, if Harvey, Donna, Wendy are innocent, why weren't they in the gallery at Charlie's trial there to support him? I mean, this is their son, their brother. So um, Wendy couldn't be in the gallery, obviously, because she was a witness at the trial. Uh, and um, let me just think about this for a second. Uh, Donna and Harvey were not there, but it wasn't their choice. That's what I can tell you. Um, uh, it was not their choice. And, and if anyone saw the gallery and all the people that were in the gallery, um, I think probably they would understand why. Um, but I can assure you that Donna and Harvey were very supportive of Charlie. Uh, but, you know, I mean, you've got to know what the optics of that is when none of your family members are at a murder trial for, for your child. Right. I, I don't think the actually I know the optics weren't bad. Uh, because I've spoken to several uh, jurors um, and I actually asked that question because I was curious. That was one of the few questions I asked all of the jurors I spoke to. 
and that had no effect on any of them. It may have um, had an effect on your YouTube uh, commenta- commenters, <laughs> but it didn't on the jurors. Now, are you uh, in any way afraid uh, by being here of contaminating a future uh, jury pool? No, um, no, not at all. Um, and, you know, Miss Kappelman has gone on shows before as well. I'm not the only one. I think she was on, I don't remember if it was your show or someone else's, um, but she's been on shows. And uh, nothing I'm saying on here is anything that would uh, contaminate a jury pool. Any more than they're already contaminated, right? (laughs) You have shows every day about this case, right? And law enforcement and people who have no idea anything about the case pontificating about the case. So, no, I'm, I'm not fearful of that at all. And speaking of Georgia Kappelman, uh, Steve Cohen did reach out to her. Uh, we wanted to obviously get her uh, take. She is uh, forbidden. She works for the state. A uh, very nice email she wrote back, and she plans on coming on STS, but she cannot come on till the entire case is resolved, and we d- simply don't know where that will be. But she has been on before. I'm going to pull up. This is an actual email uh, from Donna to Wendy. I'm going to read it out loud. Uh, here. Uh, she, Donna says, you have a job to Wendy to get done in a very short time frame to accomplish it. If you dressed your kids up in Hitler youth uniforms and brought them down here, I could care less if it was an act of defiance. And I would show gibbers derogatory term for Dan that he's not in control. All caps. If your children are baptized, it doesn't make them Christian. Ben and Lincoln aren't really pirates because they dress up like Jake the Pirate. It's an act. You got into this mess with gibbers by being so compliant and non-confrontational with him. Um, I don't have the exact date in front of me. Now, I got to say, Dan, uh, we are we are both Jewish boys. Uh, This is not a hateful email, Dan. In my opinion, my mother's a survivor. This is demented. This is not a, 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 a rational, normal mind. Uh, it sounds like she's willing to do anything, talking about how she's willing to get into a mess. Uh, does that include carrying out um, a murder for hire plot? This is not a rational woman, Dan. Okay. Well, um, I guess uh, we have to separate the two things. So if you're asking me about the email, uh, mm-hmm. the email is clearly not a normal email. I will agree with you on that. It's clearly an email full of emotion um, it's clearly an email uh, with venting. Um, now, what you don't have to that email, which you'll see in this trial, um, which we haven't seen in the past, is what led to that email. So you won't see the emails from Wendy or the discussions from Wendy, and you don't see the emails from Professor Markell. Okay. Now, n- having said that, I agree with you. This is not your normal email. Okay. Now. Having said all of that, um, divorces are very emotional. People say things they don't mean to say. People push their buttons. Um, and, uh, you know, again, this email is not a normal email, but it is a far cry um, from, number one, dressing these boys up in Hitler youth uniforms, which they never were baptizing them, which they never were. It's an email. It's not an action or killing Professor Markell. Right. So again, uh, is the email itself a rational act? It's an act of someone who's upset. Clearly it's someone who's upset. But, but again, you get divorce. Well, hold on. It's someone who's upset regarding a divorce. 
And I can show you multiple examples, maybe not with Hitler Youth, but multiple examples where people show emotions in the worst possible ways in a divorce case. Listen, I'm a criminal defense lawyer, okay? Um, there's a reason why I'm not a family lawyer, because family law is the worst. You get emails like this. You get crazy emails like this that generally you don't get in a criminal defense case, right? It's because there is very little that brings out the emotions of people more than a, a vigorous divorce, a bad divorce. And so, again, if you're asking me, uh, is this email the email of a rational person? I could tell you, Donna Idelson is a rational person. Is this an email that she wrote with a lot of emotion that I'm sure she wishes she didn't say the things she said? Of course, right? Was she really going to dress them up in Hitler youth uniforms? Of course not. Does this email show that she wanted to kill Dan Markell? Of course not, right? If it did, they would have arrested her eight years earlier, right? So again, I, I get it. I, I get why you uh, want to show this email. It's the same reason why the government's going to show this email. It's their start of what they claim is her motive. I get it. If I were a prosecutor, I would show it as well. But we also have to look at the context of when the email is done, what it's responding to. And again, there's nothing about violence in the email itself. Uh, you talked about puzzle pieces, but I mean, this this is my opinion. The puzzle pieces for Donna are are stacked against her right now, but it's your job uh, to, to show the jury otherwise. Can you tell us, um, do you plan on calling any new witnesses for this uh, trial? And if so, can you tell us who? Can't tell you either of those answers. Um, <laughs> and I can't tell you that we know all the witnesses that we're going to call. We're just getting started. Can you tell us if it'll be more or less than with Charlie Adelson? Can I cannot tell you because I don't know. Hmm. Um, moving back to uh, this whole notion of Donna's arrest and uh, fleeing, I just want to pick another quick soundbite here. Um, this is Donna uh, again, and uh, it's a little tough to hear, but she's asking for air conditioning here. This is a arrest video. Uh, I can't tell you how many people, Dan, um, wrote to me and said, why was this even on her mind? Um, why wasn't she thinking about the much bigger picture here? Um, I asked you earlier, you know, she doesn't seem to ask many questions or proclaim her innocence. Um, this is obviously not a good piece of video for you. So I'm just wondering uh, your strategy and, and how, um, again, this is another one of these puzzle pieces, um, how you portray this to, to 12 jurors in Tallahassee um, and show that this is a woman who is remorseful or thinking about a, a crime that she's being accused of. You obviously don't think that she's guilty though. So, but how do you play this in, in a court? So I, I will say that's the first time I've seen it, uh, that piece. Um, uh, 
I don't think that's probably that that particular piece. I don't think is an issue at all. I doubt it will even be played for the jury. Um, 73 year old woman who's hot or cold or whatever it was in that piece. Again, it's the first time I've seen it. Um, but um, as far as why she didn't talk when she was arrested, um, most most defendants don't talk when they're arrested. They're told not to talk when they get arrested. They're told not to talk about the case. In fact, the police read them their Miranda rights, which tells them that. So that doesn't surprise me at all. In fact, I'm glad she didn't say anything. By the um, way, do and, we know if her Miranda rights were read during this arrest? Because uh, the video starts after the fact. Do you happen to know that as a point short answer is I, the first time I've seen any of these videos uh, was in the last couple of days. Right. Um, we as you can imagine, we have a lot of discovery uh, and there's a lot of things to go through. And uh, this is an issue that is an issue that we're going to be working on down the line. So um, as as in this little piece. Uh, I didn't see this little piece at all until just now. So um, I, I, I assume her Miranda rights were read. If they weren't, I'm sure we'll be making a motion, right? Um, but uh, but the reality is it doesn't surprise me that she knew what she was being arrested for. That doesn't now surprise look, me at all. Yeah, KCL is a Patreon member, YouTube member, uh, Salt Lake City. She could be a juror. And she writes, devious, defiant, manipulative, coercive, dramatic, equals Donna Adelson. And how she appears, the optics to come across. Does this worry you when you're getting ready, uh, you know, potentially to go to trial? Look, what worries me is, uh, look, I was in psychology. Uh, I took psychology classes in college, right? And so um, what you read and what you see dictates to some degree what you believe, right? And the reality is she's been portrayed a, a particular way in the media for the last eight years that frankly just isn't what she is. And so it does worry me that that's the perception in the media, but hopefully uh, whether it's in Tallahassee or elsewhere, we get a jury that can, that can look at things with an independent mind. You know, Joel, for instance, I've heard you say here several times in the, I guess, hour that we've been talking in response. Well, I don't believe that. And the reality is that doesn't affect me at all because I know you're not going to believe it because the reality is, and this is not a knock against you. This is just you living with the case, putting on a show every day or every other day about the case. The reality is you don't have an open mind as to the case, yeah. right? Well, jour the journalists are generally cynical, but go yeah, I the agree. The reality is no matter what I show you, your mind will not be changed. That's okay. It's not a criticism of you. But that's why you would never be a juror in this case. That's why our jury system is set up the way it's set. Your listeners, many of them, could never be jurors in this case. That's the reality. And the sad thing is, in this day and age where you have 24-hour instant media, it becomes difficult for U.S. citizens and others to have their rights under this country, under, this country, under our Constitution, to get a, a fair trial that's unbiased, where the presumption of innocence exists, right? That's the that's the that's what's scary to me, right? That is scary to me. That's what keeps me up at night, because any one of us, what separates us from other countries, is any one of us could be charged with a crime at any time. But thank God, in this country, we have a system 
that protects the rights of the accused. And by the way, if anyone wants to see the biggest advocate of this system, if anyone wants to honor his legacy to the greatest degree, read Professor Markell's writings, because this is something that he was as passionate, if not more passionate than I am about it, right? And frankly, he would be appalled by some of this. He would be appalled by the fact that we had, in Charlie's case, over 100 jurors who came in that room and said that they could not presume Charlie Adelson to be innocent, that he was starting from behind. That is the exact opposite of what Professor Markell fought for his entire career. That is the exact opposite of that. That does dishonor to him. And but so he'd al- when you, but he'd when also you, he'd also be appalled at a, a murder for hire on anyone. So for uh, he, sure he would, as would we all. Yeah. But the reality is, you ask me, does it keep me up at night that I have to defend things like that? And the answer is yes, because normally in a normal case, the way we do that is in a courtroom, not on a TV show, not on a YouTube not with people commenting about the case every day, a case that, frankly, they don't know a lot about, you know? And so, yes, that does keep me up at night because I believe in our system. And I've fought for our system for 25 years on both sides of the aisle. And it is scary. That part is scary. And I don't wish it upon anyone because I have news for your whole STS community which is whether you believe that Donna Adelson is innocent or not, there are people in this country every day who are accused with crimes that they did not do. And our system is based on being able to vigorously defend each and every one of them. That's why we live in this country. That's the beauty of our country. Uh, Dan, I I hear that. Um, An innocent person, if this was me, and I was completely innocent, and the FBI, Pat Sanford, asked for my phone, I would just hand it over. Um, why not just turn it over? Even, uh, you know, uh, as as her attorney, why not go and give them the devices ahead of time before search warrants had to be executed? Well, first of all, they never asked for the devices before time. Why not turn yourself in? Since 2016, we've offered uh, the state We've said to the state repeatedly, if you want to arrest Donna Adelson, we'll drive her up to Tallahassee. We'll turn ourselves in. They never asked for that. Um, but it, so, so why not just give them the devices? They were never asked for. That's the first question. The second question regarding, well, why not give them the phone? Look, that will be discussed at a later point in time. But the reality is we can all agree if there's nothing on the phone, then there's nothing to hide. And what I'm telling you is there's nothing on the phone. Uh, I have to take your word for it since I haven't seen that phone, but apparently you've seen what's on it. Uh, Can you say the same for the other cell phone and the other uh, iPad, uh, all the devices? Can you say the same for all of them? I I, I know there's going to be nothing incriminating because Donna Adelson's innocent, but I've not seen what's on those devices yet. Uh, here's a question everyone's wondering. Obviously, you also know this. You took some heat for bringing in high-powered Josh Dubin as a jury consultant. Uh, are you going to be choosing the jury this time around? And uh, 
I know you had told me in a conversation that we had leading up to this that you were actually present for jury selection and were even asking questions at uh, Charlie's uh, trial. A lot of people think that Dubin swept in, uh, took a a big fee and flew out. But uh, what was the dynamic there? None of that's true. I mean, Josh is a we, he's done this many times with uh, with with many cases, um, and uh, he didn't choose the jury. I didn't choose the jury. Charlie didn't choose the jury. We all chose the jury. Uh, I participated in jury selection. Uh, I didn't ask the voir dire questions of the of the ultimate voir dire panel, uh, and that was done for strategic reasons. I've done that several times in trials that have been won. Um, so it's not out of the out of the norm for me. What we do in this case, we we're still figuring that out. Um, but the the reality the reality is uh, there was nothing very exceptionally weird about what we did in that case. And again, there's misinformation that I, I didn't participate in jury selection. Of course, I did. Just like there's misinformation that I, I don't know anything about Tallahassee, and I'm a New Yorker. Um, I'm born and raised in Florida. Um, I've tried cases all over this state and you can ask yourselves why people comment that I'm a New Yorker. Yes, I'm Jewish. Okay. But the reality is, uh, I'm born and raised in Florida and have lived more than three fourths of my life in the state of Florida. I've tried cases all over and all over the state of Florida. Uh, and I know Tallahassee pretty darn well. Uh, everyone wants to know what's in the cup, Dan Rashbaum. These are the important oh, questions. It's, uh, I think it's Coke Zero or Diet Pepsi. Mm. Some people were betting it could be a glass of red wine, but uh, that's for later. No, I'm not. I'm not a. I don't. I don't really drink alcohol. Um, I'm going to play. Uh, this is a, a, a wiretap call. You're, I'm sure, familiar with this. Want to get your reaction to it? Let's listen, and uh, the questions will follow. After speaking to Dan, so after speaking to Dan this morning and knowing what they're thinking up there, I don't know if we'll make it out in time. I really don't. So Dan said. You might, or you might do all of it, get to the airport, and they'll stop it. And that could happen. It could happen. I don't know, but it's worth a try. Let me set this up. So this is a wiretap between Donna and Charlie, which I should have set up earlier. And uh, she's talking to Charlie. This is now after the uh, conviction. I'm sorry. This is a jailhouse call uh, after the conviction. And Donna invokes a name, and it is Dan. Let's listen one more time, then I'll ask Dan some questions. They're actually from Patreon member Bobby. So after speaking to Dan this morning and knowing what they're thinking up there, I don't know if we'll make it out in time. I really don't. So Dan said, you might, or you might do all of it, get to the airport, and they'll stop And that could happen. It could happen. I don't know. But it's worth a try. Uh, Dan, I got to say, this doesn't look too good either. What they call a bad fact um, from Patreon member Bobby. Is it you uh, that she is referring to? And did you have prior knowledge of her flight? So uh, I'm going to read what I've written here so I don't screw this up. Um, so because uh, I anticipated this this question would come. Uh, I can't talk about what I said or didn't say uh, because it's privileged. Uh, what I can say um, is that at the time Donna Adelson went to the airport, she was a free woman. What I can say is there was no indictment to anyone's knowledge. We know now there wasn't one. Um, there was no grand jury that we knew was convened. We know now it wasn't convened till after. 
and there was no arrest warrant that was known of. In fact, uh, we know the arrest warrant, I think, was just obtained hours before the flight. Um, uh, again, she had offered to surrender at any point in time from 2016 on. Uh, I know that because I had made uh, that offer. Um, she did nothing wrong by going to the airport. Okay. Now, I cannot tell you what I advised her, what I knew, or what I didn't know. But what I can tell you for certain is that I acted within my ethical obligations. Um, and what I can tell you for certain is that no crimes were committed by her going to the airport. And that's why she wasn't charged with any sort of crimes related to that. Um, that's what I can tell you at this point in time. And Dan, you're going to see some of the comments and I'm bringing them up here because the, by the way, Tenton Quarantino, when I said about KCL being in Salt Lake, could be a juror. Obviously, I'm talking about the fact that anyone in STS Nation anywhere could be a potential juror. I'm not talking specifically to Tallahassee, but look, Jody Arrington, uh, nice lawyer talk. Um, and then we've got this not good that he had to write a prepared statement to respond. Um, and you know, so let I, me answer I, that. Let me answer do. that. Please do. So, so I, I'm at a, I, there's very little I can say here because I have obligations to my client, right? And I have obligations to the system. So I wrote a prepared statement so that I could meet those obligations and didn't mess up and by accident um, give away something that I shouldn't say because I'm a human being. Um, and so I'm following the instructions of an ethics lawyer. Um, that I consulted with in order to make sure that I'm following my ethical obligations. Now, having said that, uh, this is another example. Now it's on me, a lawyer, where there's really nothing I can say to appease your audience, right? I, I can't say what I advised or what she advised because it's privileged. I mean, can period. you tell us, did you say, Donna, get get out of here, run to Vietnam? I cannot say what I said and what I didn't say because it's privileged. Can you tell right? us if she had a plan uh, for once she got to Vietnam? What was she going to do? Sit there and backpack? Like, did you have I, any? I cannot say what I said or what my client said to me because it's privileged. What I can tell you, and it's the most I can tell you, is that there was nothing wrong with her traveling. And the state have the absolute right to do what they did, which is when they learned of her travel, speed up their plans to arrest her. That, that's, that's, that's the best that I can tell you at this point in time. I'm sure you'll hear more about it at trial. But the yeah. reality is in our system, and it's important, lawyers have to keep their clients' conversations with them privileged. That's the way that the system works. So no, I'm not pleading the fifth. Lori, because I didn't do anything wrong. Okay. I'm not pleading the fifth. I'm doing something that protects all of you who one day could be charged with a crime. You want to be able to talk to your lawyers. And in order to talk to your lawyers, there is a privilege. And that privilege, uh, except under very rare circumstances, cannot be waived. And so I I'm not free to tell you what she told me, what I told her, 
what she didn't tell me, what I didn't tell her, I can't do that because it's privilege. All I can tell you is, obviously, I'm an officer of the court. I'm an ethical lawyer. I would never advise anything to do anyone to do anything illegal, and I didn't hear. That's that's all I can say. Is there is there a chance? Is there a chance here that the state could bring this up as an issue, and even potentially call you as a witness? In which case, you couldn't defend Donna Adelson. Is there a possibility this could happen? The short answer is there's a chance of anything. The long answer is I don't think that would be relevant um, to to anything in this case. Um, so uh, if if that became an issue, then we would litigate it and it would go where it went, right? Um, but the reality is, uh, the short answer is I, I, I don't foresee that as being a problem. Um, but again, it's something that all the lawyers have talked about um, and we've, we've crossed that bridge and we, we, we've looked at it, um, uh, to make sure that we're doing the right thing. The most important thing is respecting the process and doing the right thing. And so the reality is, uh, could it happen? Yeah. I mean, anything can happen. Any motion can be filed. Listen, I've filed crazy motions too. That's what we do as lawyers, but it's not anything that I'm overly concerned about. Uh, for all the beating up you're getting, which I know you can take from JY, Mr. Rashbaum, thank you for coming here. It takes guts and professionalism, and we respect you for it. Every human being in the U.S. has a right to qualified counsel and a fair trial. And I do want to, uh, you know, have everyone sort of not literally, but if you close your eyes for a minute and think, look, a- anything can happen to anyone anytime. You could go out with your wife and you could have a drink and think you're fine and kill a kid god forbid and now you're going to need a dan rashbaum so we all need criminal defense attorneys in our lives no matter what you think of it uh him and or his clients um georgia is going to open and end with that i'm not exactly sure but um so dan rashbaum onto the bump here if donna really had nothing to do with the planning and the commission of the murder and now she's approached by this undercover fbi agent why does she call Charlie? Why doesn't she call the police? If it was me, I'm calling the cops. I and mean, maybe if it's me, I'll call my mom first because I'm so scared. But then I'm yeah, calling the you, cops. You know, it's it's interesting because I, obviously that's I think that's the quintessential question in the case. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, look, different people have different reactions. Different people have different views of the ability of the police to protect you. Uh, it's interesting. You know, when I ask that question to people in my office, who are primarily uh, middle-class um, white men and women, um, most of their reaction is they would call the police. They'd call the police immediately. Um, now, I- I'll tell you my reaction as someone who is a federal prosecutor, who has a, a lot of friends in law enforcement, um, who's had death threats against them as a prosecutor, is I know what the police can do and can't do. And so me personally, I wouldn't call the police. Now, I'm not saying I'm not in the minority in this office, um, but I, I personally would not call the police. That's me. Um, look, there's a reason why Donna acted the way she did on the calls. And the reason stems upon the fact that she had been told something from her son and she believed her son. And as a result of that, she wanted to protect her son and her family. That's the reason. Um, and you'll see if you look at the wires again, I, I'm not really talking to you, Joel, um, mm-hmm. but if you look at the wires with an actual open mind 
and you dissect the words that are spoken, you'll see that that is consistent with with that with that with that line of events, right? Um, the reality is um, that is why she called Charlie. She knew from Charlie back in 2014 what he had said happened to him. And in 2016, when she's approached, that's why she acts the way she acts. Uh, and why, to that point from Pamela Rich, why wouldn't she have called Harvey first? That's her husband. That's the one that's kissing her when she's arrested. That's, you know, the guy that's been by her side for I don't know how many years, but many years. Why not call her husband? Well, the answer is on the wires themselves. You can hear it in the absolute first wire after the bump. Harvey has no idea what's happened. Harvey doesn't know what Charlie has not told Harvey what he said happened on the night of July 18, 2014. And so um, she doesn't call Harvey because Harvey has no clue of what Don has been told. And so that's why she called. That's why he called. That's why she calls Charlie. Um, and, it, and, and what you realize and what you'll hear is that Harvey doesn't learn anything. You see it on the wires. I mean, this is clear cut. This isn't something you have to guess about. They say it on the wires that Harvey has no clue. He doesn't learn about anything until that night. And then, of course, Harvey's meeting with Charlie the next day at Matsuri um, is, is after learning what he's learned the night before. Again, this is something that, you know, is not really debatable. It's spoken on the wires. Now, of course, you have to actually listen to the wires. Yeah. Right? Well, yeah, I think, I think that, that, you know, it's debatable. We're going to get there. Um, well, it's not debatable though. They, they're talking about how Harvey doesn't know. And they're talking about how they have to meet the next day when Harvey's not there. Right. And the reason why they need to talk the next day when Harvey's not there is because Harvey has no clue what the hell is going on. But there's right? an incredible that is air clear on the wire. Yeah. But what's also clear is that there's an incredible air of suspicion. I mean, nothing is talked about openly. I'm going to get to that in a second. But from Yala. That's for sure. I agree yeah. that. You know what, Joel? That is something you'll get me to agree about. Right. Thank you. It is clear that how they are talking on the wires, they are not talking straightforward. Right. Uh, they are suspicious about something. That is for sure clear. There is no debate on that. Okay, um, they're not talking. I'll be. I'll be honest. They're not talking like normal people, right? Mm -hmm. They're talking as if they don't want to be heard. Uh, you'll have no debate from anyone on this side of the aisle about that. The and question is why, right? And that's the question that you know. Obviously, you're going to hear at trial you know, what the state's version of the why is versus what Donna Adelson's version of the why is. And the jury will have to determine which version they believe. Uh, Yala says, uh, is this the only interview Dan Rashbaum has given? Uh, he gave an interview, as far as I know, to Dateline that's going to air Friday night. And we're going to do a watch party. But I uh, hate to say it, STS is first with this one, as far as I know. And uh, this is why we say best guest, better community come here for all your true crime uh, watching. Uh, so the bump here, uh, by the way, question for, from Amy, why were they hiding, uh, hiding from Harvey? Well, uh, what you heard in the trial we just did, and I think what you'll hear from Donna, is that um, they thought that if 
Donna thought that if she told Harvey what had happened, what Charlie had told her had happened, that uh, Harvey would go to the police and that it would be a fight between them to try to keep him from going to the police. And she was convinced that that was the wrong approach. And so that's why she never told Harvey. Uh, I'm going to pull up another piece of tape here. This is wiretaps. This is right after the uh, now infamous bump. Uh, This is Charlie and Donna talking and uh, listening for yourselves. And then I'll have a couple of questions and a little more to go here with uh, Dan Rashman. But we thank him for being here. Let's take a listen. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. So, so let me uh, let me just talk to you later. And um, exactly, what help. is it? Is everyone's health okay? Yeah. All right. Does it involve me or other people? Well, probably both people. So right there at the end, uh, Charlie's asking, does that involve me or other people? It seems that they are, again, talking in code. Donna says, probably the both of us. Dan, you got to understand that this is um, not going to be perceived well by a jury, any which way you slice it. But what's your interpretation of this? I mean, it it depends what jury you ask, right? So if it's going to it's surely not perceived well by you or the majority of your listeners. Correct. But it absolutely makes sense based on what Donna Adelson was told happened. Donna Adelson was told on July, uh, that on July 18th, Charlie was extorted. She was told that two months after uh, Professor Markell was murdered. That's what she was told. Okay. She was told uh, that Charlie was extorted. Donna wasn't there on July 18th. Okay. But that's what she was told by her son that he was extorted. And sure enough, two years later, she is being extorted. That is clear. There is no debate about that. Now, it happens to be a police investigation, but they're not, she's not sure about that. The person on the street is extorting her. So when she says it's probably about the two of us, that's what she's talking about. She's trying to give him a clue as to what this is about. And that's why she answers that way. Right. She answers that way because she had been told that Charlie was extorted and now she is being extorted. And that's why she answers that way. Dan, the most important question comes from my mother. This is Carmela Waldman, uh, Mm -hmm. sometimes co-host of Surviving the Survivor, simply known uh, like there's Oprah, there's Elvis, and then there's Carm. Some people just have one name. If the jury, Dan, did not buy the extortion defense for Charlie, will it buy it with Donna? My mother speaks six languages. English is not her first, but you get the idea. And and by the way, do you you have to stick to the same, same defense? It's not the same defense. It, it's an absolutely different defense. Donna Adelson wasn't extorted in 2014. It's a completely different defense. Now, whether the extortion happened or not, at least one jury determined that it didn't happen. But that's not what this case is about. Donna Adelson wasn't extorted. She was not extorted in 2014. That I can tell you for sure. Nor would she claim she was. So it is a it is a completely different defense. Unlike Charlie's case, there will not be one witness at this trial who says that 
they did a murder with Donna Adelson. Now, listen, I thought the witnesses who said that at Charlie's trial were not particularly believable. But the reality is, whether they were or weren't believable, there were people at Charlie's trial who said that. Not one of them can say the same thing about Donna Adelson. Not one. So they will have to take a leap based on, for instance, Joel, the emails that you showed earlier. The reality is there's not one witness that will come to this trial that says they did a murder with, with Donna Adelson. It, it doesn't exist. You guys have seen the three trials. It doesn't exist. Luis Rivera won't say it. Katie McBanner will. God knows what she'll say, but she hasn't said it in her 22 versions of the first trial, the second trial, the three proffers, or the many versions that were given at our trial. At well, trial. Luis Rivera did say the lady, but he was referring to Wendy. And speaking of Wendy, this is from uh, Kelly Visor here. Uh, do you think Wendy's is next? Will she be arrested, in your opinion? Uh, I, I don't think, she, I mean, listen, I have no idea, right? That's the reality. I have no clue um, on who will, won't be arrested. That's that's a decision for the state and the grand jury. Uh, but um, but uh, I have no idea. And I'm obviously focused on Donna Adelson's case, who has been arrested. Um, what about Rob Adelson? Do you know, you know, having sort of become friendly with Donna, what the, what the story is there? Why did he leave... Uh, basically detach himself from this, what appears to be a dysfunctional family. Look, I, I, I know, I know, uh, I, I don't know Rob. I don't know Rob. Uh, I don't know Rob at all. Never met him, never spoke to him. Uh, I don't know him at all. I obviously know from my client certain things and I, I think it's best, you know, I, I look at, I look at Rob as a, as a bit of a victim too. So um, I, I think it's best for me to stay away from that topic. I think it's. Uh, I, think Joe, it'd be, I think it'd be inappropriate for me to talk about. Uh, duly noted. Uh, this Joe Jackalone is uh, just on my show. Repi- retired NYPD cold case sergeant. Uh, he's asking, "What's the plan to make Donna more likable?" Uh, you've got a big hill to climb right there. Yeah, I mean, look. The reality is, uh, I like her. Um, that's the reality. So maybe it has to start through me. Um, you know, again, she's uh, she's a she's become a uh, character on you know YouTube episodes and otherwise, and the the public thinks what the public thinks about her, right? Um, but we can think of many examples of people who are unfairly portrayed in the media, right? Um, the, the 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 thing I could tell you is I am very and and I don't you know so many of my colleagues here. Uh, actually tease me about this because they know me uh, as as vigorous of, of a defense lawyer I am, as I am. I don't usually become as emotionally involved as I as I am with Donna Adelson. And the reason being is because I am truly fond of her. Um, and so, uh, you know, there's a reason for that. I think, you know, and so I guess it starts with me to try to portray to the jury um, what the world has not seen of her so far. Uh, again, uh, to use your phrase, not mine, the puzzle pieces are not fitting together very nicely. One of them is why did Donna, why did Donna pay Katie McBanawa in consecutive checks 
knowing that she wasn't doing any work for the Adelson Institute. That undoubtedly is going to come up from the state. Um, is there yeah, that, that that's what she was told to do. And she thought that that was protecting her but son. Dan, you know, most, look, my mom just chimed in. She can't keep her hands off. This is a controlling mother, hands in on everything. You really think she didn't know? Didn't know what? Didn't know. Didn't know what these checks were for. What no, they no, were she knew what the checks were for. I mean, it, you, Joel, you listened to the trial. Of course she knew yeah. what the checks were for. She had been told by her son that he was being extorted. And she had been told by her son that, you know, he wanted her to pay out of his business part of the of the payments. And so that's why she paid that way. And she paid in the way, the manner she paid with certain checks being back to back to back because that's what she was told to do. And there's a reason for it. And again, if I thought that I could convince you of the reason, I'd stay, I'd, I'd, I'd spend a lot of time doing that, but I'm never going to convince you, right? And you could say the puzzle pieces don't fit, right? Uh, but that's because you're biased, right? The reality is when you look at her case with an independent mind, right, then you see that, you know, there's no surprise as to why she did what she did. You might not have done it that way. I might not have done it that way, but that doesn't make her a murderer. And thank God in our system, people like you, with all due respect, who I like very much, aren't going to be on her jury, right? At least that's my job is to make sure that people like you thank, aren't on her jury. Thank God. And Dan, I better not get called as a witness after this interview either. You can better, <laughs> better promise me that. Um, one of the, you know, I, I consulted some very bright minds here. And one of the people said the $138,000 figure, they were curious how that number came to be because the math didn't necessarily add up. Of course, that is the amount of money that uh, according uh, to you in the trial, they were alleged to have been extorted uh, for. Um, do we know how we got to that $138,000 figure? All I can tell you is what the testimony at trial was, and it wasn't $138,000 that they were extorted for. That's that's obviously by uh, someone who didn't listen to the trial carefully, or maybe I didn't portray it the right way. But what the testimony was at trial was clear, which is that Charlie Edelson testified that he cleaned out his safe and all he had in the safe was $138,000. That his extortion was for more money, but all he had on hand was $138,000. And that's what he gave. And that after he was told, okay, you have to pay $3,000 a month. And that originally the $3,000 payment a month was a payment of $3,000 cash. And then it changed after a couple months to $2,000 cash and $1,000 from an Adelson Institute check, a traceable check. And so, and so the $138,000 is, by the way, the government, the state says that the number was $100,000, right? And that's because that's what Luis Rivera was told, right? He was told we're getting paid $100,000. And so the the state always thought the number was $100,000. What Charlie Adelson testified to at trial was that the amount of money in his safe that he actually cleared out was $138,000. And why does he sleep with, uh, you know, Katie sleeps over that night, uh, but he flips out later on over the 5K? He flips out over the 5K. I'm sorry. I'm After the bump, after the bump. He starts getting all agitated after the bump call. Um, Does he know, do you think that law enforcement is on to him? I mean, obviously at the trial, you thought it was... uh, this double, you know, you, you, you 
you espouse this double extortion theory. Well, but he's what what he testified to at trial is that he didn't know who it was. And what you can see on the tapes is that they're hoping it's law enforcement. What they're worried about on the tapes, and again, what he testified to at trial was what they're worried about is that it's a bad guy. And that if they don't pay, they're going to get killed, right? So that's what they're worried about. In fact, you hear Donna Adelson uh, on some of the calls relieved when Charlie is telling her it's the police, right? And the question is, why would she be relieved by that? Well, she's relieved by that because if it's the police, she's not going to get murdered, right? That's why she's relieved by it. So, um, you know, again, someone has approached her on the street. Someone has approached his, I guess at that time, she's probably in her late 60s because she's 73 now. So someone has approached his mother on the street and it's obviously related to what it's related to. And so, of course, he he's upset on the call. And of course, she's upset because she's scared. I mean, you've uh, seen the video. She's clearly scared. So, um, you know, the, the, I, I think that's the $5,000. It's not the money. It's the fact that someone has approached her on the street. Um, and that, that's, why, that's why she reacts the way she does. Uh, we're going about another 15 minutes, everyone, and then we're going to do uh, another show, a uh, reaction to all this. And by the way, Rashbaum's a, a really good tennis player, but I might have to start <laughs> taking lessons and uh, play him on the court. Uh, Kelsey Ann, uh, will Dan Rashbaum come back as an STS guest after Donna's trial? I mean, I, I, I can never <laughs> say what I'll do, but I'm as you know, Joel, I don't like this stuff very much. I'd just rather just try my case you know, do the best I can and, uh, then go on and enjoy my family. Um, mm-hmm. that, you know, I, I, it, again, I, I had, th- this is a, this is a job for me that I fight very hard to do. I'm very passionate about it. Um, and, uh, but, but, uh, the reality is, uh, unlike a lot of lawyers, I'm not a very good, uh, self promoter, uh, nor do I want to be, uh, so I don't know. Yeah, from Sujatha Wolf. If Donna, uh, Dan, is such a kind, lovely person, this is her, not me, uh, why did she not encourage Charlie to go to the police with his knowledge of who killed Dan if, in fact, this extortion was true? You know, you know that's, a, that's a good question, um, and I think you'll hear it. Um, you'll hear an answer to that at trial. Um, but, uh, you know, look, at the end of the day, Donna Edelson is a loving mom. And at the end of the day, um, she's a person who wants to protect her family. And so we all make different decisions. Um, your decision might be different than my decision, might be different than Joel's decision as to what we would do. Um, but there, there, there is a viewpoint of why you wouldn't go to the police. I- I'll tell you from my standpoint, if my son had come to me and told me um, what Charlie told Donna knowing what I know about the police. And again, I have a lot of friends and I worked with law enforcement more closely than probably most people who are listening to this right now. Uh, But I I wouldn't go to the police. I wouldn't. Now, my wife would, okay? Why Um, wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you? I I wouldn't because I, I, listen, once upon a time, uh, I prosecuted uh, a terrorist and once upon a time, I prosecuted a very violent gang member and uh, I had death threats. And uh, the police 
you know, they knew about the death threats and they came to my house and they, they looked at my house and they uh, would drive around every once in a while uh, to make sure I was uh, safe in my house. But the reality is, uh, the reality is there's nothing they could do to protect me. That was the reality. The reality is they weren't with me all the time. The reality was if they wanted to get me, they weren't going to get me in my house. They were going to get me someplace else. And the reality was that after three or four months, the police forgot about it, right? And so based on my life experience, which by the way, I'm not telling you that my life experience is right. I'm not telling you that my decision is right. But based on my life experience, I wouldn't go to the police. That's me. Now, my partner, who's two doors down from me right now, who has a very similar background to me, tells me I'm crazy. He would definitely go to the police, right? That's because his life experience is different, right? And so, um, again, you have to look at things from more than one perspective. You can't have tunnel vision when you're looking at these things. And by the way, that's precisely why Donna Adelson was not indicted in 2016, right? It's precisely why she's now being indicted and charged in late 2023, right? You simply put the case against her is a weak one. Uh, you know, it is. It's a weak case. It doesn't have direct witnesses, right? It's got a lot of a lot of smoke. It's it's interesting because usually it's a defense lawyer who has the smoke, right? Um, it has a lot of smoke. It has some facts that I don't like, right? It has some things I don't I wish I didn't have to answer. But the reality is the fact that she didn't go to the police is not uh, indicative that she did a murder, right? It's just a different life perspective and a different goal as to what you're looking for. I wouldn't say it's a wildfire, but it's somewhere between smoke and a wildfire. SCS, chief of everything. By the way, what was the question up right before that, chief of everything? Because that was actually important. Oh, uh, Will Donna... I mean, it's early, but do you think she will take the stand like Charlie did or because of what happened in that case, you can say no way, Donna? Well, first of all, um, Donna makes that decision for herself like every client does. I advise on it. Uh, I prepare all my clients to testify. Um, Whether they do so is their decision, and it's based on a variety of circumstances. We're just getting into the case. I mean, even though I know the case, I don't know the case, okay? And so uh, the reality is we just got discovery. Um, But the reality is uh, I expect that um, we'll make that determination during trial or a little bit before. I don't know the answer. Uh, The chief of everything, do you plan a focus group or or mock juries to evaluate how people are now currently feeling? I guess not a mock jury for this, but some sort of focus group to see people's thoughts on Donna Adelson. Sometimes you do that. Sometimes you do. I, I don't know if we'll do it in this case, uh, but sometimes you do. Uh, last piece of sound, and then we're going to start to. I uh, got a few more things I want to get to. Uh, where is this? Okay, so here me, is uh, Joel. Let me plug in my computer uh, just that. to make sure that we're. Uh, we're don't good. be like Don't second. be like my wife and have it just die. Ooh, a little break in the action here. The seventh inning stretch. The eighth inning stretch. Uh, let me know, you guys, uh, what you're uh, thinking so far. Look at this. Jan Gould pre-ordered the book. For a little bit. Okay, the book is good to go. Um, thank you so much for pre-ordering that. It is on sale currently with Amazon. Uh, Dan is plugging in. Uh, Dan, you just let me know when you're good to go. Yeah. 
just froze up a touch. Uh oh, there you go. I should be good. Yep. If you All can right. see me. Uh final piece of sound here. Um do I have you, Dan? I think you froze up a touch. COE, we might need your help. No. Okay. Uh, Dan, you're you're frozen on my screen. Can you still see? Talk to me, Dan. Um, Dan, you might have to bounce out. Coe, help me out here. There you go. Uh, stand by, everyone. Uh, he is frozen indeed. Um, there we go. The COE on it. COE, get Dan back on. Stand by. This is a little seventh inning stretch. Uh, but there you go. Members only. YouTube, Patreon, 119.24. That's tomorrow, 9 p.m. Eastern time. A live watch party. Uh, Dateline watch party. Dan Rashbaum is going to be interviewed. Uh, the COE has Dan's... Um, sell so she's going to try to get him back on here meanwhile let me take this opportunity uh, again this is the most important story all kidding aside that i've ever told uh, it is a story uh, about my mom's holocaust survival but so much more than that uh, it's available for pre-order now dan i have you back sorry about that oh that was um a seventh inning stretch so this is the last piece of sound i'm going to play uh and then we'll discuss okay. it this is again um Adelson wiretaps, the consensus here across the board, and Dan might have a different take, that the patient is actually the man from the bump, the FBI informant, and they're using code language here. Okay, so you had how long? Yeah. How long okay, so you had how long, yeah. how, long, how long of a talk did you have? Eight. Eight. Eight minutes? Yes. You talked to the patient for eight minutes? Yeah. And they were nice? Well, not really. No. Did they? Did they give any threats or anything? Or um, no. Uh, they're talking about the meeting with the patient. Eight minutes. Uh, Dan, is that patient the FBI informant? So yeah, it's it's clear. So let me let me let me say a couple things. So uh, I want to be precise here. Um, I I don't believe it's code. Right now, again, we're we're maybe being technical, right? So for me, code is when you have an agreement with someone that this word means this, right? It's not that, okay? But but I'm with you. I'm not arguing with you, and I'm quibbling with you over semantics, right? Uh, they are talking uh, not directly. They're disguising what they're saying, okay? Um, and I believe patient is talking about Sammy, right? The guy who has approached uh, Donna on the street. Who has now? Um, who now? Donna has communicated with. Okay, uh, this is late in the in the wiretaps, um, and this is after Donna has received, I believe, a text message um, uh, early in the morning, uh, like two, three o'clock in the morning, two days before. Um, and so the patient, though, to be clear, is uh, is the person who who Donna believes has approached her on the street, and uh, who who turns out to be. Indeed, an undercover agent. Yes, but Dan, why aren't they just saying it? Why are they talking in code? I mean, they've got the TV, obviously a code word. The birthday present that a lot of people's code word. I mean, doesn't that just reek of guilt and suspicion? 
Well, so the birthday present is not, it, the birthday present is a birthday present, okay? That was the one surprising thing at, at trial because it was so ridiculous, okay? So the birthday present is a birthday present, right? But as far as the other things go, there's a reason why they're talking the way they're talking. And the reality is they don't want anyone to understand what they're saying. And there's a reason why they don't want anyone to hear what they're saying. And you'll hear that at trial. That's the reality, right? You heard it at Charlie's trial, but I think you'll hear it clearer at Donna's trial, why they don't want, if someone's listening to them, them to know what they're talking about. It's clear. They don't. I mean, I, I agree with you. It is clear as night and day, right, that they don't want anyone to understand what they're talking about, right? Mm. That's for sure. Um, on to the double extortion theory, and I promise we will wrap shortly thereafter because in 16 minutes, we're supposed to do another show. Uh, the double extortion theory, and I, I really don't mean to be harsh about this, but I sort of had trouble following it. Um, people thought it was an outrageous defense. Can you tell us, um, is this what Charlie told you? Did you guys sort of discuss this and this was the defense that you had to go with? Uh, what can you tell us about that? Here's, here's, um, I have to think about this because I, I do want to answer the question, but I've, I've obviously got to protect confidences. Here's what I, here's what I can say is that, um, the extortion defense was, uh, was, uh, was not anything new, right? So, um, what I can say is I've represented the Adelsons, uh, since 2016, um, Donna Adelson. Um, and what I can say is, uh, my representation, uh, was before there were any trials. And what I can say is that, um, what we said at trial, um, uh, was nothing new. Um, what, what I, what I can't tell you is what my client told me, um, versus what I told him. Uh, I see Mickey says literally the definition of code. No, uh, the definition of code is I say to Joel, Hey, Joel, when I say shoes, that means cocaine. So every time I say Zapatas, right. That's cocaine. That's code, right? Okay. Now, what if I don't have a code with Joel? I might say not shoes, but I might say, "Hey, Joel, you know that white stuff, right?" Now, it's not code. It's just us talking clear disguise in disguise. Not a very good disguise, right? There is a diff. There is a difference between that, right? As someone who also prosecuted some drug cases, there is a difference between talking carefully and in disguise versus talking in code. Now, I don't think it matters, right? But it's not the definition of code, right? Code is when both sides know that this word means this. And that was not the case in, on these wires. So back to the double extortion, this is the issue that I had, and I think a lot of people have. Mm -hmm. Why the hell would Luis Rivera and Sigfredo Garcia, not once, but twice, and I just did this drive, it's a hellish drive, seven and a half hours through nothing, uh, up to Tallahassee, to murder someone they don't even know as part of an extortion plot, um, they literally would have been at that point um, doing the Adelsons a favor by how much they hated this so guy. So the, the answer, Joel, is different for Sigfredo and Luis Rivera. And you guys always, I, I, I probably didn't do a good job. Hopefully I do a better job in the next trial. But Luis Rivera didn't do an extortion. And in fact, at trial, 
I thought he was the most honest witness. Mm. And I, I thought, too. and I thought he was the best witness for us because what he testified to is this could have been an extortion. And the reason why they might've done it this way, by the way, he says, I just wanted to rob them. Right. I didn't want to kill anyone. I just wanted to rob them. And they wouldn't let me do that. And when I said to him, well, is it because they could have been lying to you and they could have been doing an extortion? His answer is yes. Right. And the reason being is because through an extortion, they would get paid a lot more money than they would for a murder for hire. Uh, listen, I, you, you, you know, you heard what you wanted to hear and maybe I didn't describe it well. And hopefully I'll do a better job in the next trial if that comes up. But the reality is that a lot of the things that don't make sense one way also don't make sense the other way, right? Um, and, and the reality is that Luis Rivera didn't do an extortion. No one claimed he ever did. You know, I, I, I always laugh. Uh, when people say, oh, isn't Charlie Adelson worried about the Latin Kings because he said Luis Rivera did an extortion? No, he said the opposite. He testified on the stand. He didn't even know who Luis Rivera or Tato was until just moments before he went into Dolce Vita. And he didn't think that they did an extortion. The only extortion done by Luis Rivera was the fake one, which wasn't real, done by the government pretending to be a brother of Luis Rivera. So uh, the reality is maybe I need to be, we'll need to be clearer in the next trial if this issue comes up. But again, Donna Edelson's defense is not that she was extorted in 2014 because she wasn't. Donna Edelson was not extorted in 2014. That's not what happened, right? And whether Charlie was or wasn't, Donna was told he was, right? And so the bottom line is, no matter what you all think based on your tunnel vision of seeing the facts a certain way, I just pray that we get a jury wherever it may be in Tallahassee or elsewhere, who's going to be open-minded and look at the evidence in an open-minded way. If we do so, the truth will come out. And that, that, that's that Donna Adelson didn't murder anyone. Dr. J, uh, he went to law school with Charlie Adelson. I appreciate you sharing your thoughts, Dan. You inspire me to go to law school. Stick with the teeth, Jay. There's more money in teeth, I think. Well, probably not, actually. Uh, so this is a question. I apologize. I don't remember who it's from, and I, I forgot to write it down. Uh, Dan Rashbaum, but it's one of our Patreon and YouTube members. If Charlie knew for so long that there was even a possibility that he was going to be arrested, and he said so repeatedly in jail calls, that he knew it could happen and he should have fled to a remote beach country. Why wouldn't he first try to cooperate with law enforcement to catch all the bad guys? Why wait and gamble on a trial, especially after seeing three people convicted? Uh, seems like that's a lot of common sense. Why didn't he do that? Uh, really good question. Um, and his answer was he was scared. I mean, that's what he testified to. I can't tell you things he told me again. But uh, what he testified in trial is the reason why he didn't go to law enforcement is he, because he was scared and he didn't think that they could protect him. That's what he testified to uh, in, in, in trial. And he also testified that he thought they would point the finger at him and that law enforcement wouldn't believe him. So I, I, I can point you to what he testified in trial because that's the public record. I don't have a better answer for you at this point uh, other than that. 
Uh, onto the uh, Rashbaum grading system used around the world. Uh, Charlie repeatedly tells people on jail calls that Dan Rashbaum said that he, Charlie, scored a 95 in his performance on the stand. He even said that Rashbaum told him that as long as he got a 70, he should be good. Uh, what is the Rashbaum grading system and how does Donna get a 100 and will that get her an acquittal? I wish I had a grading system. Um, so I wish I did. Um, again, I can't say what I said and didn't say, and I, I don't know that I would remember, uh, but I wish I had a grading system. And, and all I can tell you is I believe in the system and, uh, I believe that she'll do, she'll do well cause she'll tell the truth. Um, as far as how Charlie did, um, what I can say is this, um, I, I can say that, you know, he answered the questions, um, that he, he knew, he knew the material. Um, obviously the jury didn't believe him. Um, and, uh, Georgia Kappelman was very bright and very smart. And when she saw that she couldn't go a different direction with him, she decided to save it for closing, which was a brilliant move by her part. Right. Um, so, um, you know, again, you know, uh, some of the pundits say, uh, that it was an impossible case. Um, but yet they want to blame one piece or another, uh, you know, the facts are the facts. And, the media attention to it for years obviously had an impact. Um, but the, 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 the reality is the reality is whatever I think how he did or didn't do is kind of irrelevant. The only thing that matters is what the jury thinks. Um, and, and, and in this case, in his case, the jury found him guilty. Uh, so, so John Loro is Wendy Adelson's attorney. He's also uh, representing, I don't know if he still is, but he was Donald Trump at one point. Um, does Donna have any kind of joint defense agreement with Wendy's attorney that you know of? We have uh, this. I, I There is there is a, a, as stated in trial. Um, I, I've met I, I had never spoken to Wendy Adelson except on one occasion uh, before and maybe two. Uh, before Charlie's case and never about um, never about the case. Um, and uh, there there was never, to my knowledge, any joint defense uh, between um, Wendy and the rest of the family. There, w- there was a joint defense uh, between Charlie uh, and Donna and Harvey, but I'm unaware of any joint defense that ever existed um, with uh, with with Wendy. Uh, potential problem for you that I'm curious about. Um, what if this is a hypothetical? What if Charlie and or Donna wanted to flip on the other, and now you've represented him and you're representing her? Um, what are the professional rules that kind of govern that particular situation? I, I know what my I know what uh, you know. Look, there's professional rules, and then there's uh, there's comfort zone rules. I call them, and my comfort zone is. Uh, is probably uh, is probably uh, further away from the professional rules, um, meaning I'm more conservative. And so, if either party wanted to flip on the other, uh, I, I would probably remove myself from the case. Uh, I'm not sure I have to do that under the rules, but uh, that would be what that would be what I w- I would choose to do. And you have a there's an ethics commission. I assume that you can reach out to to ask these questions of in the state of Florida. There is, and 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 I've done that in in both instances when I when I did the first waiver and the second, and on top of that, I got I have my own ethics lawyer, right? Um, so again, uh, you you know, and I think I think you know any lawyer will tell you this. You you obviously want to follow your ethical obligations, but then you also have to be comfortable with it, right? 
And so, um, you know, I, I have a particular duty to my client, but I also have a duty to myself in the process. And if, uh, if, if, if there, if there was going to be cooperation against one another, uh, it would be, it would be best, um, whether, whether I needed to or not, it would be best for me not to be part of that. Uh, three more quick questions. Mo Luttrell, why did Dan not depose Wendy in order to be prepared to defend Charlie fully? Uh, we had won two trials in a deposition of her already. So, uh, and frankly, we didn't depose many people, um, because we wanted to keep our defense a secret. And, uh, do you know, uh, cause there, there've been some, uh, calls out there, jailhouse calls. Donna does not seem very pleased with Wendy. Do you know if there's a, a, a rift in the relationship right now between Wendy and Donna and Wendy and Charlie? Are they even speaking? Uh, let me just think whether I can answer this. Uh, I don't, I, I, I don't know anything about uh, Charlie and Wendy, right? Uh, you know, I haven't spoken to either. Uh, I know that Donna Adelson loves her daughter very much. Uh, do you know uh, if Donna Adelson and Charlie Adelson, because they've said it uh, in so many words on jailhouse calls, that people in Tallahassee are less intelligent because they use the word y'all? <laughs> I use the word y'all a lot. Um, uh, I, I don't I don't know. The, I, and again, I, I'll be honest with you. I have not uh, listened to the I've not listened to all the calls. Uh, if I'm being completely honest, I've only listened to some of them that have been on the various uh, YouTube networks. Um, but uh, I, I don't know. What I can tell you is I found the jury to be incredibly attentive, um, incredibly polite. Um, the couple jurors that reached out to me, um, at least what they told me, showed that they um, listened, um, that they were respectful. Um, I think, the, you know, um, you know, I, 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 I can tell you that I did not share that view, if that's their view. But uh, I don't know what their view is. I've never... I've never talked to either about their view of Tallahassee juries. It's not really relevant. I mean, we're in, we're in Tallahassee and until, and if we're not in Tallahassee, that's going to be where our jury pool is. And what I can tell you is uh, the jury that we had in Charlie's case was while I, while, while I, I, I wish they had come out a different with a different verdict, they were very attentive um, and very respectful. Um, ben Graber. Uh, second to last question or third to last question. Ben It'll Graber. Be it's all right. You got time. He, he's he's a doctor. Um, he came out, uh, apparently had no real connection to the Adelsons, at least not for decades, but decided his former lawmaker in the state decided to write an op-ed about Donna's innocence. Uh, do you know who this guy is and what his motivation is? Why, why would he even insert himself into this publicly? Well, I, I've never met him um, and I've never I've never spoken to him. But it's another example of, uh, you know, frankly, uh, a mob mentality. And it's scary. You know, um, you know, I felt very bad for the alternate juror in our case who didn't do anything wrong. I mean, he got called to jury duty. He got selected to be an alternate juror. He um, sent an email that I had to res I had to notify the court of. Um, and as a result of that, he got like demolished on YouTube channels covering this case. The guy did nothing wrong, right? Now, uh, whether he whether he was with the defense, against the defense, I don't know. I mean, I, on some YouTube channels, I was accused of paying the guy. I didn't. I don't know who he is. Okay, he, he made bad facial gestures. I mean, it is scary 
uh, how the mob mentality reacts. And and Ben Graper's uh, Dr. Graper's another example of that. Whether you agree with him or not, you know, uh, and I don't know how close of a friend or he was otherwise. All I can tell you is if I was ever accused with any sort of crime, uh, you know, I would hope that my friends uh, would come and defend me. Right. And wouldn't be afraid for that. They know me. Right. Mm. Um, and so, again, it's the scary thing. We don't live in China. We don't live in Russia. Right. We live in America and people should be able, you know, you know, you see it in politics all the time. Right. I don't even watch the news anymore. I used to be a news junkie. And the reason being is because we no longer can have civil discussions where we disagree with one another, even on these channels. I, and look, I've told you this, Joel, I don't watch your show most of the time. Right. As good as smart. you are, as yeah, good you might as actually you are, be smart. Thank right. You. But but I do watch the comments mm-hmm. and I watch the comments because I learn from the comments. Right. And. I always like half the time I want to comment back because it's so upsetting that people, if they say something even somewhat positive about anything that's against the mob mentality, they get crushed by other commentate commenters. And you know what? That is scary, right? That is not what America is. That is scary. And so, you know, Dr. Graber, I, I don't, I don't know him, right? I'm glad he did a piece. I'm glad he defended his friend. And you know what? I'm defending her too. Not only because it's a job, but because she's innocent and because I like her and I believe in her, right? And you know what? If that makes me a bad guy, I guess it makes me a bad guy. I don't take any offense to it, right? I do my job. I know the type of person I am. I know the type of family I have. The reality is in this country, we should be able to defend our friends. In this country, we should be able to have a differing viewpoint. And it's a shame when we can't. It's a shame. Uh, This is not a point that we can argue about. Uh, Look, the biggest victim here, obviously, Dan Markell. But outside of that, there are a lot of children. Uh, You've got Ben and Lincoln. But uh, one of them is Roman Adelson, Charlie's child with uh brie uh have you spoken to brie how is the child doing look i'd I'd rather keep those conversations private but that's another example you know uh you know you're talking about a mother right and you know uh you know you're talking about a mother doing the best she can for her child in a very difficult situation right and oh you're getting a time check i'm getting a time you're in trouble Let me tell you this final question here, because we're pivoting to a second show as as if this wasn't enough. But uh, Ben and Lincoln, um, two young men now, this they were, you know, toddlers when this first happened. Obviously, Dan Markell and Wendy Edelson's children. Uh, If you could sit down with them, I don't know, six months from now, three years from now, uh, 30 years from now, what would you want to say to the two of them? Man, I mean, you know, uh, I remember sitting in Katie's trial, her second trial, and sitting in the audience and watching it. And uh, when I saw um, what they did, what 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 these three animals did to Dan Markell, um, I remember sitting there and thinking to myself, "Why am I even here?" You know, um, he was. Uh, listen, he he 
Some people didn't like Dan Markell, right? But he was a terrific human being. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, the, the thing is, uh, there are no winners in this. Um, there are only losers. And, uh, you know, uh, I pray. I'm not, I'm not very religious. Um, so I, I say that somewhat, you know, in a, I pray for them and I pray for the Markels because I cannot imagine uh, what they have gone through. Um, and uh, look, I, I always would want to treat all of them with respect. Um, because again, you know, I, I remember when I was a defense lawyer first, I remember uh, my mentor said to me, when you go be a prosecutor, don't forget who you defended. And when I went back after doing federal prosecution for years, I remember thinking to myself, don't forget who I represented, which was victims, right? And so, um, you know, I feel, look, there, I feel very badly for everyone here. Um, you know, the, the world lost uh, a, a very good human being, um, a father, uh, a son, and a brother, um, and a very good part of that community. And uh, what I said in opening regarding that, I meant every word of it. And uh, there's 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 no winners here. Uh, I meant to say this earlier. Huge shout out to the COE, Space Coast on the West Coast, the mods, uh, Steve Cohen. We have an amazing small crew here, but we pull off some big stuff uh, like getting this interview with Dan Rashbaum. Uh, Dan, uh, you're a gentleman and a scholar. I know a lot of people are not going to like you because of who you defend, but that should not uh delineate or define the person that you are and uh i hope that you will come back uh when the time is right and uh, appreciate you being here very very much have a good one well we got a show coming up on the other channel love you america okay take care Final seconds of the game. A chance to score and the chance has gone begging. If your business's commerce platform keeps missing the target on golden opportunities, get the MVP you deserve. Get Shopify. <coughs> Shopify is the commerce platform revolutionizing millions of businesses worldwide. Whether you're a garage entrepreneur or IPO ready, Shopify is the only tool that you need to start, run, and grow your business without the struggle. Shopify puts you in control of every sales channel. So whether you're selling signed football boots from Shopify's in-person POS system, or you're vending vintage shirts on Shopify's all-in-one e-commerce platform, you are covered. And once you've reached your audience, Shopify has the internet's best converting checkout to help you turn them from browsers to buyers. What I love about Shopify is how, no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the US. And Shopify is truly a global force, powering Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across over 170 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash ranks, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com 
forward slash ranks to take your business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash ranks.